Matriarchy Podcast. This is the Gaslit Woman's Guide to Surviving the Corporate World. We're just two sisters having hard conversations. I'm Lisa. Yes, are. <laughs> yes. I'm Jennifer. Welcome, welcome. So last week's episode was about having a hard time. So we talked about a lot of different things in that episode. And now we want to come full circle and talk about finding a way back. So mm. finding a way back to reality, finding a way back to what's real and true for you, and finding a way back out of the insanity that comes from trying to make yourself fit into a puzzle that is not shaped for your piece. Square peg, round hole. We started talking about what was going on for us personally. And mm-hmm. Jenny, you spoke up in depth about your surgery, which was very interesting to hear and I think really important to talk about as well. Not least because it underlines how women's treatment, definitely post-childbirth, is something that it lacks due care and attention a lot of the time. Well, and also the insidiousness of diet culture. Oh my god, yeah. So I wanted to speak a little bit about what is happening for me personally, just because it may well resonate with other people who might be going through something similar. So I have worked at a construction company for the last two and a half years. It's been an interesting journey and it's been one that has been, although there have been some peaks, some interesting times, there's been a lot of bad. There's been a lot of troughs too. And it has evolved into a situation where the experience is quite emotionally abusive, I feel. And I know I'm not the only one. There's several um, friends that I have from work. And there is a culture of sexism there. There's a culture of racism there. As with most construction companies, as you can imagine, it's extremely androcentric, which is a word we used last week, and I'm going to keep using it until it's no longer relevant, which will probably be in like a thousand years, which is something that's focused and centered on men and men's experiences, cis, het, white men for the most part. So there has been a slow divide and alienation and also a downward spiral of what I felt about my own capabilities and how I was made to feel about what I was capable of doing as a working mother. Yeah. So can I just pause you real quick? Yeah. Can I just, can we just highlight the fact that you left another company and went back to this opportunity because it appeared to offer you work-life balance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also a boss that was like really awesome and understanding and like an ally. And then he ended up leaving. So that's what kind of like the tide turned all of a sudden. So like you did all your homework, you did everything right. And like making sure you chose the right situation for yourself. Yeah. I just want to highlight that because I think that that's a really important part of this story. Like you were very diligent about finding the right place for yourself before you took this job. Yeah. And like you said, because I had just had like spent nine weeks in hell at another company Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. I saw my son. At your dream job. At my dream job. Where, where I saw my son an hour a day, which was yeah. horrific. So I find it very hard to set boundaries. That That's a trauma thing for me. And it's something I'm working on. And it's something that has been exploited and used against me ad nauseum through my working career, but also in my personal life. So setting boundaries was something that I really needed to learn how to do from a professional perspective in order to make a flexible work-life balance. If that's one thing I can look back and say, I needed to be better about that, setting boundaries and holding people accountable to those 
to the boundaries that I had set, that's probably mm. the place where I let myself down. I don't feel bad about saying that. It's something I recognize I'm I'm working on and it's a really slow process. Mm. So I have to understand what healthy boundaries look like and, I, and that's still something I'm not 100% on. So the boundaries that I tried to set were leapt regularly and I have basically found myself spiraling down into this workspace where I was apologetic for the time that I was spending with my son. Even though I had said, you know, I have to do pick up and drop off most days because of the times of the school that he goes to. But also I should have just sort of stayed there and said, I, I, you won't see me all the time, but I'll get the work mm-hmm, done. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I doubled down on something inside of me that was reaching for some kind of acceptance or some sort of like, you're a good girl stamp or gold star. And I said, you don't have to worry. I will work from the time I wake up until the time I go to bed. And that is exactly what has happened. So Mm -hmm. the pattern has been, I wake up between five and six. I come downstairs. I do work. My son wakes up. He comes downstairs. I basically ignore him. And then I rush in the last 20 minutes before he has to get to school, I put his clothes on, give him breakfast, rush him through that, obviously, because that's super fun for him. I rush him off to school and then I rush to get on the train and then I rush to get to my sites or I rush to get to the office and then I sneak out of the office or sneak off my sites and then rush to get home to pick him up and then I rush to get back on phone calls or send emails or do things until he goes to sleep. So I... That's not sustainable. Yeah, and super healthy. Mm -hmm. It, It was really good for my relationship with my son. It's been really good for my relationship with my partner. Like mm-hmm. I'm not hundred percent sure how we've really survived me committing mm-hmm. to that, but we're here now. So it's fine. So there's been a lot of things that have come out of it. So uh, effectively I start uh, probably in the last like four weeks, I started doing this fantastic thing where when I was on zoom and teams calls, I would start crying. <laughs> And like, I'm so sorry, honey. I mean, why I are like, you I'm sorry? Ha- I'm happy it's that we can laugh about it now, but like, holy crap, what a like terrible it was. mindset to be in. And then when terrible. I would, when I was walking in between my sights, I would cry. And I, I think I probably did this for the better part of a week. And I was thinking, well, like, is this a hormonal thing, or am I like super stressed out? Like, I can't figure it out. And I just, I remember or a combo because you're a woman because everything's a hormonal. Everything's a hormonal thing. And and when you work in a corporate environment that doesn't welcome you, if you're, well, okay. So if you're a working woman, period, it's hard. If you add the lens of working motherhood, like paid work outside the home, Mm -hmm. there's that lens of the stress of making sure that you balance the fact that you need to work like you don't have a child and you need to raise your child like you don't work. Yep. So now I've really lost where I was. Hang on. Okay. So crying all the time. Mm-hmm. Which isn't super helpful. What were you feeling when you were crying? Like, was it anything or just like, was it like an involuntary cry? Were you like feeling overwhelmed? Like, could you identify what, what the tears were coming from? I think it was exhausted. I think it was, I I don't think it was any one thing, but I think, remember when we did Finding Joy? And Mm -hmm. I feel like the first kind of step of it was admitting to myself that I had no joy in my life. That was a really hard moment for me. And then also going to therapy with my partner and saying to him and saying to the therapist as well, I have no joy in my life. I don't, Mm. I don't love this life. Yeah. And... I've never been someone who would think of taking their own life, but there have been points in my life where it feels very much like I don't understand what the purpose of this is. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah. And I think when you get in a bad space, I felt so trapped. I felt so trapped by the money that I make. I felt so trapped by my own pride, Mm -hmm. misplaced pride. Mm -hmm. Um, There's something more I want to say about that. But I spoke to you and you gave me permission to not do this to myself anymore. But you had to really bully me into it, which I didn't like when the conversation started. But then at the end, I think I cried. Surprise. And then I felt... (laughs) Surprise! Well, I just... I didn't feel like that. No one was giving me that option. And there's a couple things that come up for me when I say that. Mm -hmm. Why do I need to be given permission? Yeah, but your sister who doesn't even live with you. I know. (laughs) Yeah. But why do I need... Why was I waiting for someone to give me permission for something that has to do with my own life? Mm -hmm. It's very weak-willed, isn't it? But also... And here's the other thing I was going to say. Is that the culture of hard work... We talked about... When we spoke to... um, Abby Desjardin, and I said her name wrong last week, and I feel really bad. I said it in a more French way. I said we can die on the altar of motherhood, but -hmm. you can also die on the altar of hard work. And I think that trope of working hard, having no time for myself, saying to people, oh my gosh, I don't even have time to like do this or do that because I'm working so hard. At the time, it was like everybody's saying the same thing to each other and taking a step back and recognizing that that doesn't have to be your life is super powerful. Yeah. And so I guess it's definitely choosing to like place yourself above material pursuits is definitely like the road less traveled. You know, it's not like people don't choose to like follow their passions. People don't. I mean, people do, obviously, but like that's not that's not the way that we were raised. You work hard, even if you don't like it. Yeah. You just get it done. You just have a job. Okay, that's the thing that we were taught. You just always have a job. So yeah. I've had a job since I was 15. Jenny, I think it's about the same thing for you. You just have to work. You just have to pay the bills. You just have to do that thing. I moved out when I was 17. Jenny, you did the same thing. So, you know, if you've been looking after yourself and like paying your own way for that long, it's really hard to pull back and recognize what the reality is of the situation. And the reality of the situation was I wasn't enjoying my job. I wasn't being treated fairly. My boundaries were not being respected and I didn't feel respected and I didn't feel like I carried any merit. Furthermore, Mm -hmm. the merit that I knew that I had felt like it was like seeping away from me. One of the Mm -hmm. things that you said to me, Jenny, was why do you care if you're good at a job that you don't love? (laughs) And that's been, I think that's been like the hardest thing to wrap my head around. Same. Because I know you had said as well when you left your, or left your job, when all that shit happened in October and you stepped away, it took you a really long time to get your head clear of the mess. To recover, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, three weeks ago, I called my operations director and I called my managing director and I said, I need two months off and I'm happy to quit if you can't give me that. Mm-hmm. Um, which confuzzled them and they were a bit like, uh, okay, I just, I like my, the MD of my unit was like, I don't even know if that's a possibility. Like I have to ask. And then my operations director had to ask the owners of the business if it was okay, which is neither here nor there. And I think the, the empowering moment, I wasn't begging for anything anymore. I think yeah. up to, up to now in my working life, I've been begging people, mostly men to see my merit. I will work mm-hmm. so hard for you. I will make you money. I will do these things for you if only you will hire me. If only you will allow me to work for you. And I think for me now, I'm in just a place where... And I'm not saying I, I hang on to this all the time because I for sure slip a bit because it's it's a new road for me. But the place that I'm at now is 
I don't love this job anyway. So being really good at it no longer holds any merit for me. So my last day is tomorrow. So I'm doing literally the bare minimum to get through that day. And that day is a day in sort of like just on writing, in writing only. So no one's going to see me. Doesn't really matter. But that is effectively contractually it. And I've been asked if I'm going to take longer than two months to let them know. And who knows? I could make that call on Monday. I could make that call in two weeks time. But the thing that is most important is that the position I'm standing in is one that's empowered because I needed to get to a place where I didn't care enough about this job that cares nothing for me and be okay with that. Be okay with the, and we talked a bit about it last week as well. Be okay with mourning the time that I've lost because I have lost time. I have lost time. I've lost time with my son. I've lost time with my partner. I've lost connections with my family and my friends. I've lost a lot. And now I'm just giving myself the space and time to mourn it and to fully close the door and see what is on the other side. The end. Proud of you. Thanks. Well, proud of you. And it's, I mean, it was a very, like that thing, the whole situation was so loaded. And from the outside looking in, I see this with so many women I that I've worked with over the years. Like when it comes to the end, when you get to that point where you need to call it, sometimes you're so entrenched when you're in an abusive situation to like be comfortable and stay in that. Because you, one thing you kept saying to me is I don't want to prove myself somewhere else. And that it was, I found it so frustrating because like, how do you know? Because like, if you're in a good situation, I'm saying like so much, if you're in a good, if you're in a good situation that proving yourself that like fun, exciting new job period is fun and exciting and you'll be excelling and enjoying yourself and and you won't be exhausted from the abuse that you have. Well, and also working in an environment that actually respects you, you're not going to have to constantly walk on eggshells. Um, You're not going to have to fight the head on head thing. You're Mm -hmm. not going to have to deal with trying to be hyper vigilant about how everyone gauges your performance because the hyper vigilance thing, like that's something else that we can take away. And a lot of people have that, um, that goes on for them. Emotional hypervigilance, making sure that everybody, like you're reading everybody in the room so that everybody in the room is safe for you to be around all that stuff. Yeah. When you have that in a work environment, that is so exhausting. So if you have it in your home life and you have it in your work life, you get no respite from it whatsoever. And nowhere ever feels safe. How can you thrive if nothing feels safe? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess it's just, I really appreciate you, Jenny, bringing me around to the fact that I was actually allowed to step away. So one of the things I was going to say was, For anyone that is working in an environment where they don't feel seen, they feel like... I mean, we've talked about toxic work environments anyway, so I would definitely recommend listening to one of those episodes, one of those many episodes that we've done on on that. But I have had a lot of conversations with people saying the same thing I was saying, which is, I just don't want to have to go through having to prove myself again. And as a working mom, so all moms work, but as a mom who works outside of the house as well as inside, I really didn't want to have to go and take on more responsibility in proving myself. So even though it would make my life better, potentially, I didn't want to have to make my life suffer suffer anymore 
then I was already suffering in order to get to the other side of the suffering. Mm -hmm. Which again is what we spoke about last week because it's something that got raised to us when we were on the um, Things That Keep Keep Us Up at Night podcast. So there's a real power there. I think that's a real power in making women particularly, mothers who work outside the home particularly, because your your flexible balance is always on a knife edge. You're always running to get someone. You're always having to balance something. Doctor's appointments, dentist appointments. Is is there enough groceries? Like, are there enough groceries? Does everyone have clean socks? What's happening at school? Is it, you know, is it like a pajama day or something? You know, there's like a million different things that have to be tied to being a mother. And then adding the layers and the nuance of trying to compete with men, 99% of whom do not have the same amount of mental load that you have from their home life. Especially if they're single, but definitely if they're, if they have kids. Well, there's like a, there's, there's a, a bullshit patriarchal issue that the traditional nine to five work day is garbage. Like it no longer needs to be that way. It's alienating to, most of us can do our job remotely in the traditional corporate world. Yeah. Which before. In the service industry need to, they need to go in. Right. But Um, before the pandemic, that was never the case, right? Everyone was like, if you work at home, you're not actually devoted. But because everyone's seen the pandemic, you actually can do it. There are hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of women who have been turned down for jobs because they got told their jobs couldn't be done remotely. And how many jobs can be done remotely that we know now because we had to. Anyway, side note. Well, so, I mean, that just, it's just an alien, it's like a, it's an antiquated system. If you get your work done, that's all that matters. Yeah. Right? I mean, it should be. Like, we're grown-ass adults. Like, you get your work done when you, it's just, it's crazy that you have to prove yourself to do something that, like, this is what technology has brought us. We can absolutely have work-life balance. We can absolutely work remotely. We can be as productive as possible, but it's just not an option because someone's like, no, I don't like it. I can't see. Yeah, exactly. And that is the problem. Not someone wanting their work to fit with their life. Yeah. The thought that people are gone for most of the day from their children, from their lives, from their homes. Yeah. That's the problem. Not not wanting to balance that. Well, so I'm interested in hearing. So I I really appreciate you sharing that because last week it was like kind of too close and too painful. Mm. Um, and I think that it's just funny that you, like, all along you've been the one that's been saying, like, but I know when to call it, like, such a hard ass about it. But you, I know. Like, had such a hard time calling it. So. Isn't that the way? Totally. And I think that that's important for everyone to hear because when you're in it, you feel, like you said yourself, like, you feel bad that you, oh. boundaries be steamrolled and you feel bad that it took you so long and you feel bad that you felt like you needed permission. But, like, all those things, that's, like, a very real struggle that we all go through. Absolutely. It's hard. It's hard to leave a job for so many reasons. And I think you've done a pretty good job of illustrating those. So just to pivot real quick as we kind of like close up. As I said, I think maybe last week or the week before, who knows, at some point we talked about doing little things for yourself that can kind of like help you find your way back to reality, find your way back to yourself. Is there anything that you've done this week or in the past week? I mean, other than drink like a really nice bottle of champagne. That was helpful. Drink all the, Uh, drink all the champagne. (laughs) But then the next day that's rough. Um, Being really clear about setting boundaries is something that helps me a lot. So that helps me bring it back to myself because I recognize that I'm just keeping myself empowered. Mm -hmm. Um, you're protecting yourself. 
Yeah. And especially as I'm transitioning away from being at my job, it's that transition period where the boundaries are super, super important. So mm-hmm. I've gone from being like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'll, I'll take care of it. No, it's not a problem. Like, yeah, totally. Of course. Like, I know I'm leaving. Like, blah, blah, blah. And it's now the guy that's covering me while I'm gone, like, he can do it. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do it? Like you, like, you guys can do it. Like, take care of it. I'm not going to take care of it. That's been a super important boundary for me to set. Yeah. I will do, like I said, I will do the bare minimum. And then mm-hmm. I will disappear. It's better burn out than fade away. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so the other thing is I still feel like I'm super stressed out and like everything feels like too much. So I should be exercising, but I don't really oh, want to go running. Okay, but hear me out. I don't really want to go running. So I'm walking everywhere I can. So if I can, if I have like, obviously I'm going to have unlimited time now, but I walk into town if I need to get groceries. I walk to go and like just clear my head. That really helps. So it's exercise without without that stressful aspect of it. So that's good. And then gardening, putting your hands in the soil and being out in nature and things like that. That's I find that really regenerative. And there's actually, there are a lot of really great studies about how being close to, like proximity to nature helps you with cortisol levels and helps you with stress management. So I'm trying to do that as much as possible. I'm vegan, so I don't get, there's not a huge variety of probiotics um, that I can take. So I try to drink kombucha to make sure my gut health is like, a bit more lively, taking all my supplements and stuff and just making sure that I'm doing the things that I haven't had time to do and -hmm. recognizing that I have the time now instead of going like, oh my God, I'm too busy. I don't have time for that. I absolutely have time for it. That's great. And what about things you're doing to kind of ensure that some of the unhealthy things that have been put in practice in your home are starting to kind of unravel? So definitely like when you have, when you're having to do this and you have a partner, if you both have, like, if you're both kind of triggering each other, cause you both have, um, unsustainable working patterns, I think having mm-hmm. a third party to speak to is really, really good. Yeah. Um, because if you've got a partner that's saying to you and you constantly get looked at as like this nag who's constantly saying like, you work too much, you're never here, you're not doing this, like even in a calm moment, there's still going to be that trigger popping up. So for my partner and I, it's just having someone, obviously not every week, but every two to three weeks sitting down with a third person, a third party, a therapist who can say, like, I'm hearing what you're saying and this is how it's coming across because we miss each other, especially in moments of really high stress, we miss each other's message very much. So because of the way that we're framing the message, the message gets completely lost. So in the hyper-emotionality of it, the um, histrionic sort of, that's more me, being so at the edge of it that I just fly off the handle. And then like the complete unemotionless robotic, do you have a soul way that my partner deals with stress. Mm-hmm. And neither one is 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 coming from a, a calm, neutral, middle adult ground, you know? Mm-hmm. They're, they're both coming from... They're both coming from places that are are not like healthy and open and and level. Well, they're both coming from a place where you're both kind of like in fight or flight, like yeah. survival mode. A hundred percent. Which but, is hard. Yeah, which you and your partner have gone through as well. So I know you no, know I that mean, one really well. Yeah, and and um just with me being so unhealthy the past year because I had this major injury that I with my stomach being so out of whack, I really I truly believe in like the gut 
mood connection. Is that the right way to put it? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Brain gut. Brain gut. So that, since it's been so off kilter and I'm very sensitive to, like, I always knew I was pregnant, like almost immediately. Like I'm pretty, pretty in tune with my body in like a hippy dippy kind of way. And Mm. definitely having the brain gut connection be partially wounded. I definitely like had a problem with And also coming off of being pregnant and like the hormone surge and all that kind of stuff and not taking care of myself and all the things. I definitely like had a pretty moody year. Mm. And so for us, like making sure we get the kids to bed early and just having a moment, like having an hour. So to at least even, even if we're just like sitting next to each other, scrolling on our phones, just having the time together at night in silence that's really important not in silence whatever just like having that extra time together and like making it a point to like be together for an hour or so a day has been helpful for us that's really um, good i mean yeah. it might be helpful for us to talk to a third party but i just honestly don't see how we could fit that in at this point no i but guess that's, i mean that's my that's my thing i have to figure out that's that's been helpful for me and then now after i i drop my oldest off at the bus stop i take a walk with the baby and just being outside in the morning and it's, it's just been really lovely to get that shot of vitamin D and just be outside and see other people and, and that kind of thing. So mm, I, I found those things really helpful. And I definitely think that exercise has been always been so helpful for me. I can't exercise right now. So that's how I'm supplementing that. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. All the good stuff. But this has been great. Lisa. I really appreciate you being so brave and sharing all of that. That's okay. Um, it's it's on the same level as you talking about your surgery. It's just something that the more we talk about, hopefully the more people will talk about it and the more things will, hopefully things will change because I'm not the only one that's stuck in this situation. I feel like there's a lot of working mothers out there who, and obviously we're going to talk about this anyway, but there's a lot of working yeah. mothers out there. If they've stayed in employment for this pandemic time, which is like nothing short of miraculous because obviously mm-hmm. women were let go at a much higher rate than men. And had to leave because and they had to leave have because foundation. Lost it. Yeah. yeah, no child care. Yeah, absolutely. If you're still stuck in this rat wheel it feels unending and you can't see the beginning or the end of it and it just feels like the worst possible version of groundhog day Mm -hmm. so yeah so once again thank you for listening thank you for sharing our podcast with your friends we hope that you enjoy it and we hope that you take away something from it as well you can find us at Dear Patriarchy Pod at Instagram, Facebook, patriarchypod at gmail.com. Send us your stories. Let us know how you're doing. And if you were kind enough to do us a review and you don't see it on iTunes, do try and like resend it if you can, because we know that several people have tried. They haven't been saved or uploaded or whatever. So we really appreciate everyone leaving um, reviews and having to listen and tuning in. And hopefully this will get much, we'll get back on our old cycle now that we're sort of leaving behind the things that no longer serve us Mm, i like it amen so all that's left to say is love light and good night good night